1: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Score!
2: score! This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Mark Grody, Grody.
3: covering the Bears for 670, the score. Hey, here's what's going on. So Excuse you guys me. could all stop. Mark
2: Grody with Bernstein at home.
0: Ron, is there anything else that you think they need or could use? More Mark Grody on the
2: score. That's what you have. He's on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports. The Scores Bears Beat reporter is at the Combine in Indianapolis. And it's been a very, very newsy day. And I know we got a lot of sound to get to, Mark what's up
3: yeah yeah guys and uh, gal layla the big story out here at the the combine certainly is jalen carter the the big time defensive tackle from georgia whom assuming the bears keep that first pick very well could be could have been a person of interest he was charged with reckless driving and racing uh in conjunction with the crash that uh killed the teammates and a recruiting staff member, um, the the police department in Georgia did arrest or, or did issue an arrest warrant. Let me tell you guys though, how it kind of went down at the combine today. Obviously, we heard the news. Um, And they have the the big computer boards up that tell you which times and where the prospects will be speaking. And Jalen Carter was scheduled to speak earlier today. And there was a massive gathering around the podium. Nobody was saying anything. Nobody was telling us anything. Uh, Then there were several people saying that he had left... Indianapolis that he was not here, which may be absolutely true. But moments after that, finally, a Combine official did come out to what would have been his podium and said that Jalen Carter was one of six players who will not talk at the Combine due to medicals. So he was put in the, yeah, I'm not buying that. Um that he was put into the, the medical talk and that's the way they compartmentalized and it. it was very It was very. I I was in the right place at the right time. I mean, there was probably 50 people waiting to talk, and the PR guy comes out. He didn't make an announcement or anything. He just kind of said to any of us who could hear, and luckily I was one of about five people who could hear that this was being put off as a medical issue, and that he is. They made it sound like he's here as well, which I don't believe at all for one moment. Um, I did talk. I had a really good long talk with with Chris Sims. Who was doing some pro football talk stuff today with your guy, Mike Florio? So, in the midst of it, I did ask him for his reaction to all that is going on with Jalen Carter. So, here's Chris Sims.
2: I really didn't realize that he was the other guy in the car that was racing. I figured that, you know, that's a horrible tragedy, first off. And the, and the offensive lineman from Georgia who did die he was from up by where I grew up in New Jersey. So, that was a shame. I always figured they were racing somebody. I didn't know who it was, and now, you know, you're you're hearing okay. Uh, I'm not going to judge too harshly, all right? Um, uh, I, of course, don't condone what he did or anything like that. But we've all been 19, 20, 21 and done dumb crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have and I'd be lying if I haven't raced a friend down the road too and thank god it didn't happen in a tragedy so you know uh that's where you know I think we all we we look at these guys sometimes and we put them on a pedestal but we forget hey they're young human beings who are been put in some situations that they're getting used to and they're learning
3: life and um yeah we'll see where this goes but he's a hell of a player I know that yeah, well, we'll see where this goes is, is spot on. I don't know what you guys think, how much this uh, might affect it, but and what you guys thought of what he just said right there. I didn't like it.
4: I <laughs> I think it speaks, Mark, to a little bit of what we talked about at the beginning of the show, trying to figure out the timing of the information. And also, I think Sims is correct. We, we were surprised to hear that he was involved and then the way he was involved. And then also, Sims went to Texas. And knowing what I know about how Texas is considered in Austin, the University of Texas, the football players, how it's like that, you know, in Norman, Oklahoma, for the University of Oklahoma, he's, he's, giving, uh, he's giving away the process a little bit and showing you the, I wouldn't call it privilege, I wouldn't call it compassion, I would just call it. There's there's an inherent level of almost protection of information when it comes to these types of situations, and you hear Sims kind of speak to that. There,
2: I, I just don't like the kids will be kids ing of this. But of that's a, my
4: well, point. You know, that's what
2: people do. They drive a hundred miles an hour, racing around other people while drunk.
4: That's what? my point. That's that's I. That's what I would expect somebody to say in a in a program like that. In a way, that that reaction didn't shock me, even though it's bad. I. I'm trying to get the point across in a way where it's hard to say like that's just the attitude sometimes people in places like this have around this sort of thing even though we know it's a an awful situation.
3: Yeah, and th- th- it is true that we all do and are we're more prone to doing dumb things when we were younger, but guess what? When we were younger and we did dumb dumb things and we got caught, there were heavy consequences. And there is nobody that is going to downplay it or use that defense. And I like Chris Sims, but I agree with you guys that this is not something that can just be written off as you did something dumb. I mean, here we are on the day that he is scheduled to speak. This news breaks today. We don't even know where he is. And and like I said, my best guess is that he's not in Indianapolis. I mean, just what a cluster. For this guy, but like, who... what are we
2: talking about? With doing dumb things in college, like yeah, maybe you drink too much and you throw up on your roommate, or you hurt your <laughs> back sliding down concrete stairs on a cafeteria tray. You know, there's, right, there's 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 right. a range of, of dumb things that you do.
3: Yeah, and yeah, and and some guess what? Some college kids some d- do dumb things like get DUIs too. Like those are things that you have to. Um, you know, take responsibility responsibility for the way a 40 year old would, and you know some of that stuff just just doesn't come into play. But I just I really wonder what how this affects or changes the thinking of of Ryan Poles. if like like now they because everybody talks a big game about culture and wanting the right people and do you love football, Matt Eberflus, and now here you have a case where and man, it's like the, the Bears are the, the Bears get to make this decision. You know, they they get to be if they keep the pick and they decide to pass him over, they would be the team that passed over Jalen Carter and some other team will grab him late in the first round if that that's what GMs are saying, that this is a, a case that is toxic and you want to stay away from him.
0: What do you, what do you think this? What do you think the Bears are doing right now? Now that they have this information, and and seemingly no one had this information until this morning.
3: Yeah, it's cr- crazy, Lawrence. Like in that in that regard, and I'm sure the Bears are shaking their heads as well, saying, you know, and, and unless they had gotten, unless they were privy to information that we weren't it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that in the the process of doing their homework and interviewing that they did learn more about him but i i am really curious. i mean it's too bad that it was now now as opposed to earlier this week and we could get a, a more general idea of how you know polls deals with things like this well you know i mean there was the the byron pringle situation the, the doing of the donuts in in the parking lot and uh, you know polls you know maintained 100 percent behind byron pringle despite that whole incident so i mean that's the only thing that we would have to draw on and we just don't know enough or i don't know enough about the the person that is Jalen Carter and how he feels about this. this is it something that he was trying to elude? Um, if he's going to be stand up about it, if there's going to be court proceedings, the whole thing is just a big pile of we don't know at this point, despite it. And, and you know, as Chris Sims said at the end of his cut, which is true, He's a great player. He's, I know that. He's a great player. So are you enticed by the talent alone? And we all know exactly how important that three-tech position is in this Bears defense.
4: Yeah, I think the the key here is is understanding that this is the beginning of the legislation of this situation. This is not even yes. in the middle or concluded, and that very much <laughs> affects everything. I also want to ask you this. What was the collective reaction Around you at the combine when this information came out.
3: Well, you know how it is, Layla. Like when the, everybody's phones just start going off. Everybody's looking down. Somebody, I, I didn't look at my. Somebody said it to me. Hear about this Jalen Carter stuff? I'm like, no. And I looked down. Up oh, there it is. So, and then there was a migration towards the podium that he would be speaking at. And like I said, information was very difficult to come by. I was very disappointed with that because they've got a microphone in there that they can speak on and speak to everybody in there. And they could have said, Jalen Carter will not be speaking today. And then, like I said, they made that sort of um, passive attempt at satiating us. And only a few of us actually even heard what was going down. So... Um, yeah, and, and you're you're so right, Leila. I mean, this is the this is the beginning of this and we don't know. I mean, sometimes these things get squashed out really quickly. Sometimes they they drag on forever. So, let's let's play
0: play the game out since it is lying season. Let's let's yeah. play the game out that the official, the combine official that clearly came up there and lied to you guys about this. If you add in that, let's let's say that what that person said is true. That Jalen Carter is not speaking because of a medical issue. Don't you completely wipe him off the board? Like, like, ah. like, like, let's play, let's, let's, let's play the dumb game. Let's uh-huh. go down, da- let's go down the road of there was something that came up in the medicals. He's not gonna talk about it. There's also a warrant for his arrest. There were also questions about his motor in the 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 national semifinal. If you're any of the teams that are in in the the top five that were thinking about drafting Jalen Carter, if you add all of that up, doesn't that equal – move along from this player?
3: Probably. Yeah. I would I would especially where the Bears are hanging out, that's for sure. And, you know, I, I like I said at the beginning, it feels like one of those things where there's going to be a very happy team like late in the first round that'll be able to afford to be like, Yeah, we could take a chance on Jalen Carter, you know, like Randy Moss back in the day when he fell to the Minnesota Vikings, obviously completely different circumstances on what was going on. But I do fear that somebody else is going to get a really good player. But yeah, Lawrence, I, I do think you gotta you gotta wipe him from the board. Um this of course brings Will Anderson into prominence as well, because, you know, we've kind of been going back and forth between you, you want the, the best three technique in Jalen Carter, or do you want the guy who is best at getting to the quarterback? And that is Will Anderson. And he of Alabama spoke to the, to the media today, and I put together a little cut for you guys just to get a little idea of what this kid is all about that I know Bears fans have been hearing about for months now.
5: It means a lot, you know, that just shows all your hard work has been paying off, you know, all the sacrifices, blood, sweat and tears you've been doing to get up into this moment. It's super exciting. It's a blessing. Yeah, for me, I like the fort lift move. I like to watch Nick Bosa a lot. You know, I like the way he do his bull spike and stuff like that. So I try to implement that in my game. I feel like football is all about embracing the change. So, you know, no matter, you know, what type of defense I get in, I'm going to adapt to it and I'm going to be able to embrace the change and embrace the challenge that's there. And, you know, Learn the lessons that come with it and that's what I'm very excited about just whatever defense I get in learning how to operate throughout it and uh, having fun doing it.
6: Well, you talk about being humble how do you stay humble when everybody's talking about you being
5: one of the top three picks? One lady Terryon Anderson my mom she always gonna keep me grounded. <laughs> It's about what you have in here, and that's what's carried me to this point in my life. Always knowing that whatever I got going on, my mentality, my mindset, is not gonna change. And that's what I approach during a week of practice, and that's what I approach. and they feel Like All my sisters, they played sports. So they played basketball, they ran track, volleyball, and I watched them, I watched how they worked, I watched their work, they think I took the good, I left the bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, just watching the way they work, and they put a lot into me, they made a lot of sacrifices for me, ran up and down the road, giving me advice, uh, telling me different things on how to go, um, so it was great. So that's kind of like how they kind of molded me into the athlete I am today. And, and there you have couple. the
0: facts of life. I like his vibe. <laughs> I
5: like his vibe. He's, he's energetic. He's is
3: upbeat. Does he love football? Uh, it seems yes, Dan. Nobody has to motivate him. To play football, so yes, he seems he seems to pass the Matt uh, Eberflus qualification of loving football. I don't know if you guys caught it within that cut, though. He's talking about his sisters. He's got five sisters, so there there is heavy duty influence from his athletic sisters, athletes. Uh, but he's got uh, five sisters, and for whatever it's worth, too that Will Anderson did meet with the Bears. Uh he was very upbeat and positive and said that he really likes what the Bears have have going on. Uh I imagine he would say that towards any of the top five teams in the in the draft right now, but he did have uh nice things to say about the Bears and and his sit down with the teams. And just one so far. Um, you know, there could be multiple meetings though. That's when you could really tell when they're interested in a guy.
0: Groats, you're heading up a new Bears show here on the score?
3: Yes! I uh, will be performing tomorrow night. It will debut. It's called On the Clock. It'll be from 6 p.m. until 7 p.m. And this is a show that we plan to do between now and the draft. On the clock, because the Bears are on the clock. Um, and one of one of my guests to tomorrow night for the debut show will indeed be Chris Sims, from whom you just heard. We talked a ton about uh, Justin Fields. And the other, he gave me a rundown on all the quarterback prospects. And as usual, Chris Sims, dude's got a lot of personality. So we had a really fun conversation that I will play all of tomorrow. And you guys just heard a little bit of it right there too, with, with the serious part of it, talking about Jalen Carter. But I am pumped up about it. The debut of the show will be tomorrow night from six to seven, live from Indianapolis.
2: Outstanding. Mark Grody, I know we'll hear you as events warrant throughout the day
3: and throughout the Combine. Thank you. Sounds sounds great, gang. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: That's Mark Grody. Next up, some baseball talk with the great Evan Drellick. He's got a book out, and he also has uh, an article out about some nefarious things that MLB is continuing to do with some interesting bedfellows. He joins us next on The Score.
1: Bernstein at Holmes,
6: Middays 10-2-2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
0: Carlos, Cody Bellinger said some strong things. He said the Astros stole the 2017 World Series from the Dodgers. He said Altuve stole the
6: MVP from Judge. He said you guys cheated for three years. What is your reaction?
3: Well, usually I don't have problems when... Uh people talk about 2017 and about what happened uh, that year because, honestly, we're wrong. You know, we also show remorse for that because, you know, we feel bad about everything that happened. We really feel bad about everything that happened in 2017. But the problem I had is, I have is when players go out there and they don't know the facts, they're not informed on the situation, and they just go out there in front of cameras and just talk. That's from
2: MLB Network. The man who broke the story of the Astros cheating scandal is Evan Drellick senior writer at The Athletic. He has a new book out called Winning Fixes Everything, How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess. Evan Drellick is on Twitter at Evan Drellick, and he's on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Evan, how are you?
6: Good afternoon. Thanks for having me.
4: Evan, it's Layla. The reason I wanted you on was obviously to talk about your story that came out a couple weeks ago regarding how you were able to break the story from your book about the Astros. I know it was an excerpt, but people all the time always ask us about what it takes to break a story or who knew. And even those beat reporters who covered a team, what did they know? And to me, the excerpt that The Athletic has from your book really discusses how you can come into information that nobody knows about a team and how hard it might be to actually be able to not only source it, but report it.
6: Yeah, it, it was a particularly tough road. I got fired in the middle of it. Um, I was at a regional sports network in 2018 during the ALCS. It was October of 2018. And I had already left Houston at this point. I was, I was living and working in Boston. Still had Astro sources. And um, I end up talking to people who, who knew firsthand what the Astros had done the previous year. So this is 18 and I'm learning now about 17 during the 18 playoffs. And I knew there was a, a major story there, but I also knew because it was a major story, you need corroboration, You also need support behind you. I didn't really trust the place I was working at. And lo and behold, they fired me in February. Not, not for any reason related to this story that I'm aware of, but uh, I didn't see it coming in the end. It's a total, you know, it's a blessing for me because I, I end up at the athletic, which has, the capability of doing real investigations. And I pair up with Ken Rosenthal, and we finally get the story over the finish line 13 months later. But to your kind of overall point, you know, I'm not in the position to break the story if it's not for the reporting I had done years earlier when I got to Houston. You know, if you go back to 2014, I was the first reporter, I think, you know, to, to really report on these questions about the Astros management culture. And it cost me in a lot of ways with higher ups in, in the Astros organization. But because it was real, because the story was accurate, it was relevant, it was a story that should be done, I got a lot of trust from a lot of other people, uh, you know, different stakeholders, and that snowballs over time. And so, yeah, look, it, it, it's really a 10-year journey in some ways um, to get into the, to the point the book is out and many years of reporting to get to the point that the, uh, the cheating original story comes out. But, uh, yeah, it can be done, but it, it, it is tough.
0: Evan, and speaking of uh, regional sports networks, um, it looks like that model is something that might be dying. And obviously, you and Layla, and and actually I have have some experience with there being layoffs and whatnot at regional sports networks. Twice, twice, twice for Layla. <laughs> I um,
4: with Evan in Houston, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but
0: but considering the impact that this situation with Diamond Sports could have on not just baseball, but in this case, specifically baseball, do you think that we'll get to a place that baseball will look and say, our, our blackout rules are just arcane, and this is a way where we can take a step forward in getting rid of them?
6: Well, they're finally saying that now, and, it, and that's probably because they have to. You know, it, it was a little more inconvenient for them to say that before when they were enjoying all the money that was coming in from RSNs, um, you know, from the RSNs to the teams. But now that that money is in jeopardy and they're realizing that cord cutting is accelerating and they they do have an overall problem of fans want to watch our games. We should probably make it easy for fans to watch our games. If you want the game to grow, you want to bring in new viewers, Gen Z, all that stuff. And so now the commissioner is is, uh, publicly talking about getting to a point where fans can watch any game they want at any time. They're not there yet. You might, end up in that spot this year if indeed all the bally rsn's uh going to bankruptcy mlb could take over the broadcast of those and then you know, maybe sometime this year there's a package at least for those teams of okay you, you know you can watch whatever you want wherever you want and it, this is a there's, there's a lot of complicated legal stuff that goes into this it's not going to be a quick fix the teams own their digital rights not the league that doesn't mean that couldn't change um but yeah they're they're finally realizing uh we we got a problem here
2: i want to get back to the essence of this second book because of what i think it confronts that is in so many ways bigger than baseball where it's really easy for people to still say oh yeah well the the quant guys and billy bean and all that and look, billy bean was a baseball player and he was the guy the guy really was still of baseball and of the game and of competition what changed with the astros was that this became really gross and really bad really fast and they weren't bound by these guys like like the execrable Brandon Tobman and and Luno and some of these guys who just came at this thing completely differently. And, and I, I know you tie him back to McKinsey and, and, and there's there's so much laden with this idea of McKinsey brain and what that has done to, to, to poison many U.S. workspaces in the name of, of efficiency. But what motive, motivated you to go back to this and to tell the further story of culturally what it was a, beyond being just a sports competition scandal? I think having
6: covered the team, and I think having covered the team pretty well, you know, I, I knew that uh, what was going on in Houston, when we get to the point of the cheating, when we get to the point of Brandon Taubin being fired after drunkenly yelling in the clubhouse at a bunch of reporters, that this really wasn't happenstance or an accident. That, that there was a broader cultural story to tell. Uh, and I had really started to tell it. You know, I was on the ground um with layla in that period uh you know i get there in late 2013 i leave in early 16 there's a lot of controversy in that time there's a lot of stuff that happens there's a major hacking scandal where a Cardinals executive ends up going to federal prison the astros are pretty aggressive and in, in wanting uh the fbi to, and the department of justice to pursue it the way they did um you know there, there was a lot that had happened before it and i knew it because i'd been there um You know, the FBI actually called me during the hacking investigation, Mm -hmm. which is we can tell that story another time. But uh, yeah, I I knew uh, because I'd had a front row seat to to what was going on. I knew that there were there was more than aim at the I and B that I knew a lot of, of what had been written about the Astros was not totally wrong, but a really small, favorable slice. Um, of what was actually going on inside that organization.
2: And the reason that I ask is because when we're Lawrence is asking about these regional sports networks and we hear about, you know, I know what happened to some of my friends at the original Deadspin, and the nature of the people who took it over and what they were trying to squeeze out of it in the name of this consultant level efficiency and just how pernicious that thinking can be when it gets into otherwise intended industries, be it an industry whose job is to inform and entertain or an industry whose job is to compete at, at hitting a ball with a stick. There, there's, there, there's something bigger connecting what we're talking about.
6: No, absolutely. Um, you know, there, there's a story that the book cites early on, you know, about how McKinsey in a, in a way really led to the destruction of the middle class in America. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Astros yep. are the outgrowth of Moneyball, right? It, and what is Moneyball about? It's about money. It's a great book. It's great reporting. It was inevitable that some of these things were going to come into the sport. But you know, when you when you take that approach of we got to find marginal value, we've got to be cost efficient, and you start applying it not only to your roster, but you apply it to the entirety of the organization, and then even beyond that, y- you really make it the whole thing. Your 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 vision is focused on two things: winning baseball games and profits and you don't really care about the rest of the stuff that happens well when you don't care about the rest of the stuff that happens and you're extreme and moving the direction you're moving bad things can happen you know they didn't care if they treated people well they didn't care who they screwed over they didn't care about um uh not cheating compliance ethics it was it was all driven around the bottom line and you yes you see this in corporate america and you know this is kind of the arrival in sports but it is worth pointing out, sports is not the rest of corporate America. Baseball has an antitrust exemption. These are 30 businesses that are in it together. The Astros are not trying to put the Yankees out of business. The Astros are not, uh, don't, don't need to put the Orioles out of business for the sake of survival. That's not how it works in baseball. And so, you know, it was a major culture shock in an industry that, frankly, doesn't entirely reflect the outside world.
4: The book is called, once again, Winning Fixes Everything, How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess. And one of the most compelling things I thought that you pointed out in the article, Evan, or in the excerpt, also in your Q&A on The Athletic, was about the hit that the guys take for doing the right thing. Mike Fires was a key acquisition for the Astros to advance to the playoffs. He threw a no-hitter for that team. And he spoke up trying to do the right thing because he saw young players in Detroit get their really their money making stats wrecked, knowing what was going on. How he validated your reporting along with Ken Rosenthal's and you said he paid the price. How have you seen that happen?
6: It's it's the story of whistleblowers in, in any industry, I think. And you know, at the end of the day. That is what Mike Fires was. He was somebody who was willing to speak up about wrongdoing that other people weren't. You know, the original story Ken and I had at the Athletic had three other people, uh, three other sources on the inside. They weren't named. And so, certainly, uh, being willing to put your name behind something, you know, that's not easy. And, uh, you know, he's vilified in Houston. Fans attack and some revile him. Um, but, you know, he did, he did what he thought was right. And I'm glad he did because it, it, it did improve our story. You always want, doesn't matter what you're reporting on, you want somebody or multiple people, as many people as you can, on the record. Um, but it's rare. It's, it, it does come at a toll. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you, you see it more in corporate settings. And thankfully you, you do see it in corporate settings because if you don't, if you don't have somebody who's willing to go out there on a limb sometimes, You know, there's a lot of bad stuff that's um, probably not getting out.
2: Speaking of which, your latest investigation involves what MLB and owners are trying to do now in a handful of states as they are girding for legal battle trying to exempt themselves from minimum wage laws for minor league players. And I think Cubs fans would be interested to know that Ron DeSantis received a $1 million contribution from Joe Ricketts. As part of and obviously there is a, a wink wink here, but it just so happened that people who work or have worked with Ricketts are involved or with DeSantis are involved in that lobbying effort. And I would imagine that if they are successful here, we are going to see minor league teams relocated to these states where they cannot pay players. How How far along is this and how much pushback is there going to be?
6: Yeah, so I got to give a hat tip here because re- the reporting was really all done by a fellow in Florida who covers the influence business has on politics in Florida, a guy named Jason Garcia. So he breaks this story yesterday, and I I just did a follow up story on it. Um, you know, a few years ago, back to, back in 2018, MLB passes the Save America's Pastime Act. It it, it was um, something that more or less gets done in the middle of the night, gets tacked on to to the overall uh, spending bill in Congress, and what it does is it says that. Uh, minor leaguers are exempt from minimum wage laws, from federal minimum wage laws. There is a lawsuit that just got settled last year for 185 million dollars, where minor leaguers were suing the league um, for you know not paying them properly for violating different laws. So this federal law protected MLB um, starting in 2018. But as part of this lawsuit uh, in Florida, it was ruled that well, even though a lot of the state law in Florida is intended to mirror um, the federal law, uh, it doesn't actually include the Save America's Past Time Act. So in Florida, in, in the, in the state size, potentially MLB could still be liable in a future lawsuit. So MLB is trying to pass this legislation now, even though it got its federal protection five years ago, because they're scared of being sued again. The effect is not going to be as big as it was uh, federally, because right now MLB and the MLBPA are in the middle of bargaining. There's going to be a, uh, a collective bargaining agreement that's going to determine minor league player pay. And that's, diff- that's never happened before. This is brand new. Um, so the state legislation is not going to be as impactful, but it's still optically terrible for baseball that they're still spending money on lobbyists to try to make sure that baseball players are exempt from minimum wage laws.
0: Evan, it feels like whether it's the RSN stuff or Steve Cohen spending money and other owners being upset that he's spending money and and now and you've done some reporting on this too now there's a this economic committee that's looking at the idea of uh, possibly trying to put in a a salary cap did, did baseball help create this monster so that they could create the monster that kills the monster
6: yeah that's that's often a point that's made uh when different things come up you know whether it's Uh, arbitration and the league would love to do away with arbitration you know can league make things bad such that uh the players are forced into a change that actually in the end benefits the league um look mlb's reliance on the cable model it's unquestioned how important it was to the explosion of revenues in the sport i think the, the big question becomes do they end up making that money back? So the owners are sitting there going, the TV model's falling apart. You've got these smaller market owners, even a larger market owner like John Henry of the Red Sox saying, our economic system uh, needs change. And you know, the, the real question is, well, does this TV situation actually mean that you know player salaries have to be reduced or uh, do you actually need a cap? The Players Union will never go for a cap. What What Manfred is talking about, it sounds like, is going to more of an NFL-style system where you centralize revenues. Well, your large market teams, the Ricketts, the Yankees, you know, it, it's, it, they're not going to want to do that unless it's really worth their while. They're the ones pulling in all the money. I don't want to share my money with the little market uh, Tampa Bay Rays if I'm the Yankees. Um, so there's a mess to sort out here. I, I, I want to believe, and I think the evidence shows, that the owner's pushing for a cap would be disastrous um, and that, and that therefore they won't do it that, that they must know that foregoing a season or multiple seasons to get to a cap is really not what the sport needs.
4: But Evan, I'm going to, I'm going to counter with this and it's something that I think you and I have discussed over the years is number one. I think that in conclusion to the Astros discussion, I wonder if the penalties were so bad or they felt bad for handing out the penalties to the Cardinals that they, they, didn't want to do hard again when it came to the Astros and the the immunity that they offered. Like they couldn't have been handled any more dysfunctionally. It's almost like they let one loss beat them twice. And then separately, when it comes to this discussion, I've asked the question many times, who is Rob Manfred working for? Because here he is (laughs) complaining about the Padres ownership competing and then they just turn around and sign Manny Machado to that extension. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even let it be personal. Didn't let the fact that he chose that option and then they re-signed him wasn't even an issue. He's calling them out. Then he's also calling out other teams for, for doing what they're doing. Steve Cohen, I'm looking in that direction. So it just makes me wonder once again, where, where is this guy's interest?
6: Yeah. The, the, you know, almost to his credit a little bit. He doesn't pretend the way Bud Selig used to pretend that I'm here for the good of the game. No. Bud Selig was there just as Rob Manfred is there uh, for the, for the good of the owners and to a degree uh, for himself, right? When, when Rob Manfred has unhappy owners, um, even if they're ridiculous, he, if he wants to keep his job and his contract is up after next year. So at the end of 24 and he'll, he'll go for an extension, you know, he's got to placate them. So he's got to create a committee Uh, If a bunch of them are are complaining and they are complaining and it's an issue that's existed in baseball forever. The the small markets or even not the small markets complaining that, well, we can't keep up with spending. Of course, MLB does not open its books. Um, The the sport only takes in more money now, you know, multiple times over than it did the last time there was a strike in the game. Uh, it's, It's a very hard position to kind of win over public sentiment of, oh, the poor owners, what, you didn't know you weren't buying the Yankees when you bought, I don't know, uh, the Rays, you didn't know um, what your revenues were, you're unhappy, you can sell the team. And uh, I, I, I think if MLB really does pursue this road, they're going to have, they're, it, it's going to be tough for them. That they, they, they don't have public sentiment on their side. And to your first question about the punishments, you know, the, the real prop, why didn't he punish the players? It, it, I don't think it's to get to the answer of, of what the Astros were really doing. The original story Ken Rosenthal and I had had all the facts. We had fires on the record. John Boy then comes out with a bunch of video afterward. The notion that Manfred needed more evidence, I, I mean, I guess you want more, but, like, no, you could have easily punished and gotten to it without immunity. So why does he give immunity? Because if he gives out punishments at that point, the union's going to file a grievance, and probably the punishments are, are overturned or they're reduced. Why is that? Because when you have a labor union, you got to give notice of how you're going to punish things. right? Rob Manfred can't stand there one day and go, you know what, I think I'm going to wake up this morning, I'm going to punish sign stealing uh, for 10 games for anybody on a team who is doing it." it. That has to be discussed in advance. And why wasn't it discussed in advance? Because Rob Manfred and the commissioner's office did not realize how big the problem was getting, did not realize what they had done when they put video rooms in every clubhouse and gave players... New tools, gee, what do you think might happen? Uh, might they try to get an edge illegally with, with these new video tools? So it, it was a mistake on behalf of the commissioner's office, but it was a mistake in the years preceding.
2: Evan Drellick, this was tremendous. A lot of content in there for us to chew on, as there is in the book as well. It is called Winning Fixes Everything How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks, guys.
4: Thank you,
2: Evan. Evan Drellick of The Athletic. When we come back, Jalen
0: Carter has released a statement. We will read that statement for you next. Bernstein, Holmes, Rahimi on The Score.
1: Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2.
6: On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In
2: Odyssey Station.
4: Speaking of uh, two chains, Hyde Park Summerfest, it's him and Clips.
0: Dude, I keep trying to tell you, y'all need to just come down and hang out on the midway with us. Clips from Richmond, they're still going. Yeah, I didn't know where they were from. Pusher
4: T
1: is like huge.
4: Oh, that's Pusher T.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. And they were not still going. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's one of the
4: full set in many years. You actually turned me to that years ago.
0: Malice retired. And, and went then, re- religious. Yeah, and then Pusha T decided that he was going to spend his life making Drake's life
1: horrible.
4: Wait a second, you didn't know about this, Ray?
1: About the Hyde Park uh, summer fest? No, I didn't know that.
4: Oh yeah, just just came out. The news just dropped yesterday.
0: So come on through.
4: When was the last I'm time there. you heard it like this? <laughs> it's been many years. Clips, many I mean, years.
0: Th- that album is like the lunch table album <sighs> for a generation of kids. Like you're just out there doing all the beats on the lunch table because Pharrell and and the Neptunes put their foot in that album from a production standpoint.
4: That's also when they came out with N E R D. Yeah, all of this is uh not why you called
0: Yeah, but I, I do I'm, Dan, let me extend since we're partners and stuff, let me extend the invitation to you. You should come down. What's the date? Is it is it middle of June?
4: Yeah, I think it's like 17th and 18th, now that I think about it. You
0: you should come down, and we could walk over, and we could see stuff, and then you could hear the the booming systems, and I imagine that our friend Jay Illa is probably going Mm -hmm. to play a set, yeah, because that's usually a place where you could find Jay Illa playing a set. You can come meet the people. Layla came down for the block party a few years ago.
4: Oh, that was so much fun. We had a great time. Okay. Also, uh, if COVID had happened... At the time, it was so packed that yeah. COVID would have happened. At the time, there's no doubt. Do about Do I have it. to
2: have like Mario fill out paperwork for me?
0: No, just Mario. To make sure everything's Mario, in order?
4: Mario will walk you through everything.
0: I'm just he'll, making sure you know. He'll, I'm sure that if you say that you're coming to, to the Hyde Park Summerfest, Mario will meet you at my house and walk you over to the midway. I'm down. I like hearing that. June 17th
4: and
1: 18th.
0: There it is.
4: Oh, I can't memorize things. Aren't all of our birthdays in June? You just
0: make it a birthday celebration. (gasps) There you go.
4: Us three for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ray and then Mike's is not in June.
0: Ray is like, I'm an Aquarius.
4: Are you after that? Harmony and
2: understanding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm November. Yeah. Oh, so you're like Black Score. Like Mike gets to be part of Black Score birthday month. (gasps) Herbie right I know Herbie Herbie. Jason and Tony that's right Tony and they're within like four three days of each other
4: yeah wasn't it Black Square birthday week
1: yeah when's your birthday Mike November 2nd
4: you're there you're on the week
1: it might be time to invite uh, Rankin's brother from another mother uh, Dwayne Rankin Back, yeah, that's sure. right.
0: you got to get him <laughs> back on the show and all of that. Um, yeah,
4: read, read the
2: statement
0: by I'm Jalen sorry. Carter. This is a
4: lot more fun than talking about that. Now
0: we go to the serious stuff. This is a statement from Jalen Carter. This morning I received a telephone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports also have circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic event of January 15, 2023. It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There's no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. That is quite the statement, and I know that a lawyer crafted it, but that last sentence seems very reckless. Like that's a reckless. Fully exonerated? Yeah, fully exonerated. Like it, that is not not guilty doesn't equal fully exonerated. Correct. Correct. They're
2: unable to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt does not mean fully exonerated.
0: But that is the statement that Jalen
2: Carter has out here for you. To consume A little bit of breaking news from our friend Maddie Lee reporting on the Cubs for the Sun-Times. Justin Steele came out of his bullpen well. He is on track for his next start. Patrick Wisdom's left groin tightness felt a little bit better. He remains day-to-day. Which so. means more Nick Madrigal. Yeah. And and <laughs> non-roster invitee right-handed pitcher Jordan Holloway left his outing with a moderate right oblique strain. Cubs spring training news on the score is sponsored by Sloan, the official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. When we come
0: back, hey, Pedro Graffole is out here talking my language. Talk your ish, Pedro Graffol. We will share the good news. We're going to bring you the good news about the White Sox next on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours